Welcome to the game. It's a beautiful thing. With Mark Duffield. The son of a darkened shearer and a self-described ball-playing jack of all trades. We shouldn't be surprised, should we? Who lit up footy fields in the southwest before becoming WA's preeminent AFL scrub. My goodness! And Glenn, Glenn Quarterman. Wow-wee! A proud Victorian parked permanently in the west who would have played 300 AFL games if not for his incredibly small hands. Goodness gracious me! Together they are Duff, Duff and Quarters. You know who? And this is your favourite footy, footy podcast. podcast. It's unbelievable! Yes, welcome to the Duff and Quarters podcast. We are brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet if you download the Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly. Please call Gambler's Help 1800 858 858 with any difficulties you encounter. Well, we might as well just get this out of the way. Quarters, the big question is are you sticking to your guns? Are you tipping the Dockers to beat Melbourne? I feel a bit like uh, Ali V. Foreman in the Rumble in the Jungle when he was just the rope dope. He was on the he's on the ropes. He was on the ropes and he won, mate. I am sticking to my guns. I am putting my neck out there on the line. So I'll give him a tip now, Frio. Oh. They're due to lose Melbourne. The, the, yeah, they've been they've been in probably in third gear for two weeks. Just getting the job done, but you could argue they've been in third gear all year. But they will drop one at some stage. My question is, why not on Saturday? Well, the answer is it's going to be wet, and we've seen Fremantle play in the wet the last two weeks. We have, but if they address it and 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 play smarter football in the wet and get things together, they can win. Yes, and if your auntie had knackers, she'd be your uncle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uncle Bob was your auntie. <laughs> Look, Duff, there's no need to go on about it. I'm going to be humble here. Um, you know, look, I, I got lucky with the tip. Uh, perhaps, Shannon, we can cue the new Sting music. <laughs> and I just feel like one of those athletes just striding on the beach, chariots of fire style. <laughs> Chariots of fire. Now, Duff, no, I think you might have stepped in something while you were well running play, along. Well the played, place. Shannon. Um, I was, um, I was uh, a little worried at quarter time, Duff, because I thought they'd spent their pennies. I thought they were terrific in the first quarter, apart from where it counts the most, the scoreboard. And then second quarter, I thought, here we go. They've shifted through the gears. But wonderful, wonderful performance by Freo. Great coaching and great effort from the players in many aspects to get up in the second half against Melbourne. Yeah, they were terrific, and you were right. At, at quarter time and, and early in the second quarter when Melbourne started kicking goals, I was filthy with their forward line because I thought everything Longmuir had done had basically worked the way he mm. wanted it to work, and the forwards just couldn't get it done in the first quarter. They had chances. You know, there was a couple that were touched on the line. There was a couple of chances were half butchered. Um, you know, a couple of times they ran into each other. And I'm thinking, oh, no, not another day like this. And then suddenly it all came together. And I think that um, credit to Josh Carr, who mm. urged Justin Longmuir at halftime to put a tag on Clayton Oliver, who had, let's face it, he'd bought his own footy in the, yeah, he had, hadn't he? In the first half. Uh, they got hold of him around the stoppage. Sean Darcy was huge. I thought um, Brody, Aish, uh, Brayshaw, 
Sarong yeah. and Acres were all huge at ground level, and um, their small forwards were massive, and their tall forwards were terrific. I loved Logue to May, uh, and obviously May was out early, which helped Frio's cause. Uh, I like Logue Lo- forward, actually. I really like him. Uh, that, to me, from Rory Lobb, now, he might have impacted more on the scoreboard. He'd still kick three, um, but... That was the best four-quarter effort of impacting the contest that I've seen from Rory Lodd for Frio. I thought it was a terrific yeah, game. Yeah, Rory's played some good games for Frio. Like, when Rory plays like that, Rory's a very damaging player. And it probably adds a little bit of perspective to the whole Luke Jackson thing because when Rory plays like that, Rory's probably still a better player than Luke Jackson. At the moment, yeah. that's right. Now, we all think Luke Jackson will be a better player, but just right now, Rory Lobb's top end is better than Luke Jackson's top end. So, you know, that, that puts a bit of perspective on that in terms of, you know, we talk about one-two ruck punches. Well, Freo's got a pretty good one with Darcy and mm. Rory Lobb, as long as Rory Lobb stands up and plays Darcy's like that. second efforts at the stoppage is too terrific. 35 points on turnover, Freo. They out-Melbourne Melbourne at the weekend in that second half, didn't they? They did, and they completely nutted their forward line as well. That was the other thing that happened. Um, you know, Brennan Cox was enormous. Um... It was Brendan Cox and Alex Pierce were probably sharing the load with Ben Brown. Ben Brown probably needed reintroducing to a football at the end of the day. Couldn't get near it. Mm. Um, none of their small forwards could seriously impact. I thought Brandon Walker was terrific. He on was. Cosy Pickett. He was. And at the other end, the, as you said earlier, the small forwards got to work. Um, Frederick, who's more of a mid sized forward, but terrific game from him. And Schultze. Schultze. Great call from Anthony Hudson. He knows everything. <laughs> After he kicked his fourth goal, um, it was Schultz got the goals, but Frederick was the one that jumped off the page. Yeah, wasn't it? Eleven score involvements. Um, that tap back, and you could see the confidence the of the year. building too, couldn't you? Or you can see the confidence building in Frederick. You know, just just the the audacity to take on the man on the mark as he did, which is easier these days. But just that that sort of stuff creeping into his game now. It's all goes well for the Dockers. So. Trying to keep the lid on headquarters mm-hmm. and trying to look at, okay, mitigating factors for Melbourne. Well, clearly they lose May. Someone joked afterwards, you know, how do you beat Melbourne? Will you get Jake Lever to knock Stephen May out? <laughs> well, I um, laugh. <clears throat> it was a big hit, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and Petraka, unusually bad. Petraka was crook. Yeah. Um, said woke up ill and in hindsight, looking at it, probably shouldn't have played. Mm. No James Harms, no Tom McDonald, no Ed Langdon and no Christian Salem. So all of those things are factors. Um, Still yeah. at the MCG, on their turf, in terrific form. Well, they had been tapering, which is why I led into last week's tip. They had been tapering, but winning well, albeit against West Coast and North Melbourne. So mitigating factors for Freo, no um, Nathan Fife, no Sam Switkowski, who, when all said and done, is probably the best mm. and most dangerous of their small forwards at the moment. So those things you know, shouldn't be ignored. But here's the thing. Fremantle's gone to Geelong and they've gone to the MCG to play Melbourne. It's hard to argue that there are two tougher road trips in footy. Um, At Geelong, they started nervously, copped up the first three, then they panicked late, coughed Mm. up the last two. In between that, they kicked 10 goals to five in more than three goals, uh, in more than three quarters of footy. That's against Geelong in Geelong with Tommy Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron. Against Melbourne at the MCG, one goal after half time. Yeah, and you do, and that second quarter from Melbourne when they were slipping away, and you don't see sides come back from that against Melbourne. Melbourne are good enough to say, "Here it is. Here's our best. Good luck with that." But they were good enough. 
Yeah, so a lot uh, of belief. There must be um, building a lot of belief at that footy club at the moment. Well, I don't know what's how, what it's doing for blokes inside the team, but it's doing a lot for people watching them. Mm, good, because I look back on those two efforts and I think, gee, geez, guys, if you bring that every week, I don't know. I'm not sure that there's many. Not sure there's, that there's much better than that in the AFL at the moment. Good to have a win at that venue too, Duff, as we know yeah. like, where the where the big one is played. Moving along, Peter Matera. Yes, very... Heart um, attack on Sunday. Alarming. Now, the news today is better. It's obviously a serious situation. He's still in ICU in Bendigo Hospital. But the word from his brother, Phil, who's flown across, is that he's a bit more up and about today. Still requiring another stent to be fitted, but I think it's going to be in a couple of weeks, stuff. So, yeah. uh, look, we wish him all the best. Uh, he is just, well, one of my favourite footballers I've ever watched. He was just beautiful, wasn't he? It was a vision splendid to watch him in full flight on a footy field. Chased down tackles, uh, and when he got the footy, good luck catching him. Um, probably one of the great performances from a winger ever uh, in a big game, the 92 grand final. Yeah. I love your stuff today. I, as I wrote today, like we remember the five goals in the granny. That duel with Darren Pritchard on the wing in the elimination final at Subiaco, that's still pretty close to the best game of footy I've ever seen that game because remember Hawthorne had come here in 91 and rolled them mm. and basically upset the apple cart when West Coast were were hot favourites to win a flag um, and they came here again and they sat them on their heels at the start I think they led by nearly four goals at quarter time I think it might have been 21 points something like that West Coast clawed it back in the second quarter then Hawthorne it was the old champs you know right here we go last stand Hawthorne was still just in front at three-quarter time. And then Matera just went to a level that no other player on the ground could mm. get to. Was that the day Carl Langdon kicked a few uh, from the square, from the boundary line he as well? kicked one inside-out yeah. left footer that I reckon if you gave Carl 20 goes at it, he'd kick about five. I can still remember. I was living in Geelong at the time. I watched that from the Corio Hotel in Geelong. I remember it very well. And I remember thinking, Carl Langdon, you can't kick it from there. <laughs> <laughs> I've reminded him of that over the years too. Uh, but, you know, seriously, we, we, we send our best to, to, to Peter, clearly. Um, his partner, Susie, Phil, his son, Jordan, the whole Matera family. Uh, we, we want him back, at, back up on his feet again, which he will be shortly, um, hopefully. So... Um, uh, all the best to you. Yeah, touch wood, and our thoughts are with him. He's, um, as you said, to watch. He may still be the best player ever for West Coast to watch. Mm. You know, I mean, Judd was pretty spectacular. Um, Josh Kennedy's been a champion. Um, so was Dean Cox, um, Glenn Jakovic, and his duels with mm, uh, Wayne, Wayne Carey. Carey. We all we all remember them. And then, and then you've got Camp. Camp McKenna, um, you know, Jeremy McGovern. There's a there's a lot of great players have worn the jumper. For West Coast, Ben Cousins. I'm just not sure there's ever been a better one to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, You know what my memories of 92? I have two memories. When you're working in the media, as you know, often you get, you spill out onto the ground before you go to the, the rooms after the game as a member of the media. And we were on the ground as they were doing their victory lap. I remember remember that. We were walking around. Yeah. And I remember two things. I remember thinking... Wonder what this is the noise is going to be like, given it's the first non-Victorian team to win a grand final. And I expected there to be a few boos. In fact, there was a lot of um, uh, positive noise and energy towards the West Coast Eagles that game. So that was a that surprised me. And B, Matera ran past with the cup, and I look and it, the the car- biggest calves I've ever seen in my life. They were popping out of his legs. <laughs> He'd done a fair bit of sprinting that day, but I just remember thinking, geez. No, I remember that walk around the ground. Mm. And you know what? 
there were people in the crowd, and you can actually recognise faces in the crowd, which stunned me. It's the, I think it's the only time I've ever done it. You know, I think from that point on, they started ushering us in different directions rather than walking us around the ground. But um, people were yelling out, you know, they travelled over from Western Australia and, and maybe people I'd been to school with or came from neighbouring country towns to Dark. Hey, Duffy! You know, no, did you? And I could see him over <laughs> the crowd. Like, oh, there it is. It's, it's Bob. You, know, it's, uh, and, um, you don't expect that at the MCG. You don't. No. You don't. It but happens at Optus all the time. It's so close it felt so close you know mm. and the grounds felt so small with the stands sort of towering over them um yeah it was a th- that was a memorable day for all west australians i think because before obviously i'm a Fremantle person now but before Fremantle came in i was a west australian mm. person i was a west coast person so mm. um it was a fun day uh of course down the road peter's old team the west coast eagles struggle still mate struggle street big time isn't it you know what it's time to put it on the eagles um, what do you, you mean, put it on them? I think we've been doing that as a... No, I mean really put it on them. You just can't be this bad. With injuries, we accept. They put a massive dent in them in the preseason. They put a massive dent in their preparation. Um, with the COVID on top of that, there were weeks they were struggling to put a team together. Absolutely accept that. They had seven people running around in the yeah. waffle for them on the weekend. So therefore, they've got manpower now. Now, th- their best players aren't all out there some of their best players aren't in the best shape but you cannot be that bad if you look at experience versus the western bulldogs last weekend they weren't far that apart really the two teams so it's seven defeats uh what average of 80 points you're right it's just unacceptable there was one moment and this is the this is the moment for me when the light goes on in your head or the bell goes off in your head and you go no no sorry no this is enough tim english wins his own knock, roves it, and strolls out of the middle playing basketball with the footy out the front end. Now, Tim English is, Tim English is a great, great player. You know, he's going to be a very good ruckman. He'll be one of the best ruckmen in the AFL eventually. Um, he's got great skills. He makes good decisions. He's a great mark, and he's getting better at stoppages. But he's not Nick Natanui. He's not Stephen Michael. He's not even Luke Jackson. He's not explosive enough to win the knock get it on the ground, and beat your midfielders out the front door. He's just not. And when that happens, the entire club needs to look at itself and go, hang on a minute. This is just no longer acceptable. So what do they do from here, though? Do you just do you, do you, do you break it down to individual contests? Do you break it down to individual quarters? Well, I think they made some progress over a two-week period where they did. They basically said, okay, let's, let's get the contest right. But I think the next step along from that is, okay, let's get the contest right, let's not forgive ourselves for being insipid in the contest, and then let's get defence right. Let's not worry about too much about what goes on the board at the other end, but do not get sieved like they're being sieved. Mm. It is just unacceptable. You can't go like this for another 12 weeks. Well, what are they going to gain from the next 12 weeks? Well, they have to gain something. Yeah, They cannot be this bad in 12 weeks' time. I'm sorry, but they can't well, sure, be. Surely they won't be if they're getting some back, some experience back, provided they're fit. Yeah, well, that's what we said this time yeah, last year. Yeah, we did. West Coast as a footy club needs to show us something. You know, like, for want of a better term, a bit of ticker. A bit of ticker, because if this goes on for another 12 weeks, if they're this bad at round 23, I, I think it's almost at the point where the Football Commission has to step in and say, sorry, you're... We own you. 
you're our major brand. Now, we signed articles of independence that basically um, say that you can run this show the way you want to run it, but we're not accepting this. We know because if this goes on for another two years, this is going to affect the money that's going to the football commission. Mm. The footy commission actually has to show some governance here and say, "You blokes need to pull your fingers out," and something's got to happen, and it's got to happen. But now. it's not going to be a quick fix, stuff. It's clearly going to be a slow rebuild now. I accept rebuilds that. are slow. I accept that, but you just want to see something in the next. I want to see defence, yeah, and I want to see contest, and the rest of it. Okay, I'll accept that. You know, it's not going the way. They're not as well prepared as they should be, so therefore... And let's not forget, they've sat Oscar Allen down for the year. Um, Oscar Allen could have played this year. There's a couple of others that if they'd have really pushed to get something out of the year, they could have had him up and going. Now, when I heard that Oscar Allen was being sat down, I thought to myself, if I was them, I'd probably do that. Yeah. But you can't do that. And then run around like they're running around yeah, at the moment. Yeah, my thoughts with Oscar, you know what they are. I just, he's only played 50 games. Yeah. I just think he needs more footy. He's obviously a great talent and he's going to be a future leader of that club, but I just want more footy in him. Yeah. And he's not going to get any more this year. I think it's a wasted year. Even if it was four games, I would have still played him at the back end of this year. So, I mean, you know, if, and the unlikely, if he was to injure himself, that's just footy, mate. You know, uh, news this morning. Josh Kennedy. There was uh, a lot of cackle that he was going to retire. Uh, Adam Simpson shifted his press conference to a Tuesday, but he uh, has stated this morning, "No, I plan to play the year out. This, uh, I plan to play eleven games of footy if Simo wants me." So he's saying, "I'm here till the end of the year." Should he? Look, he oh, he should now, Duff. I don't think you quit halfway through. Um, I, I think they actually need him to straighten them up going forward. Uh, I, I don't think you can... Yeah, I actually do think so. Well, I, I asked, I implored him to retire about three years ago. I got that wrong by about two years. But he probably shouldn't have gone on this year, Duff. But now he's halfway through. You can't quit now. And he's certainly not a quitter. So I think he, he does need to stay there. i tell you what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Josh Kennedy out there limping, obviously, Yeah. like he was on the weekend Yeah. and not able to really run not able to really jump, not able to get off his man on the lead. If that's what he's like after several yeah, weeks Yeah, that's off, fine. I, I accept that. Then you don't play. Then he's not physically yeah. right to play you've over. Got to be, you've got to be able to contribute. I think we all want to recognise champions, and so at some point you know, you'd like to think there'll be a, there'll so, be a farewell home game yeah. for Josh Kennedy, and, and he absolutely deserves all of that. So manage him through, get him to some level of fitness where he can contribute in a great way and give him that farewell game. You saw Hawthorne do that with um, Jared Ruffhead a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, they did that really well, uh, kick six against Gold Coast. But he's had a couple of weeks off. Yeah. Don't forget. And that is um, mm. how he presented after a couple of weeks off. I'm told that when he plays, he can barely train the next week. Yeah. And so He's going to have a long lie down when it's all over, isn't he? you still got – look, Jack Darling, one positive's come out of yeah. the game, right? So Jack kicks four. And looked, looked – Better, Presented they? really strongly yeah. at the ball. And you've, don't you have to find out about Hugh Dixon between now and the end of the year? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And not as a backup ruckman, but as a second mm. forward. Like, to me, play Hugh Dixon, play Jack Darling, give Josh Kennedy at some point a farewell game, maybe play him in two or three games. Maybe he plays if Jack Darling or Hugh Dixon gets hurt and you need the backup forward. I, I, don't, want to see Jack, I don't want to see Josh Kennedy out there too much more. I mean, I... 
I think he's their one true champion of this generation of West Coast players. And I want to remember Chewy? him. This is this is Chewy? me. This is Chewy, me. Spe- perhaps. Yeah. No, I reckon Luke is almost. Mm-hmm. But I think Josh Kennedy is, you know, he's their champion. He's their Sir Lancelot. Yeah, of this era, of, yeah. of this group. And uh, this is me talking selfishly as a footy fan, you know, not as a footy journo. I don't want to see Josh Kennedy running around like he was on the weekend. Yeah, well, this is the column I wrote three years ago. I was a little bit out. But that was the very point I made in that column was that I hate seeing champions hobble. Yeah. You know, I don't like to see it at all. Um, we'll move on because there are some West Coast questions later. Um, review at Essendon. What does a review mean? Duff Paul Brasher, the chairman today, has come out and said it's a review of the football department. Um, that's not. That doesn't mean there's going to be sackings. It means probably additional staff. He's also said today we can win a flag in the next three years, which I, I'm forced to agree with because I did pick them to finish in the top four this year. So. <laughs> Uh, with my wonderful Frio tip, I've got to put my hand up and and and, and also uh, uh, say, yeah, I did pick him to finish in the top four. So here's a question. Mm-hmm. So if we accept that Essendon's playing roster isn't good enough. Yeah, probably yeah, two, six to eight genuinely good players aren't there from week to week for Essendon. So there is, so is a it bit availability, of, you think? It is a bit of availability. It's not only that, though. Two and nine really doesn't wash with me with this group. So there's clearly an issue there. And the issue is, are you prepared to run the other way? That's the main issue, I think, at Essendon. Structurally, obviously, there are key players missing at both ends. But I think it looks it exacerbates it when you don't prepare to run the other way. Quarters, how can that be? One, well, one they're AFL players. Mm-hmm. And um, two, um, Ben Rutten was brought in as a defensive guru from Richmond. Mm. This was going to be the Richmond model. Then it comes down to personnel and what they're prepared to do because it can't be teachings. Jeepers. Mm. I'll tell you what. Wish he did a fair job, didn't he? Well, they ran him out of town. They did run him out of town. Mm. And there was all this scuttlebutt that was circulated around behind the scenes about. Um, oh, we'll be right once John Worsfold goes. John Worsfold doesn't have any tactics. You know, John Worsfold's a meat and three potatoes mm-hmm. coach. Um, you know, he's great developer of people, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all this stuff was just pushed out to the media. You know, this once we get Ben Rutten in control, mm-hmm. we'll be fine. Mind you, this was after he uh, went to the club with it when it was on its knees. Yes. After the drug scandal. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would have, one thing I'd argue about John Worsfold teams... John Worsfold teams are very honest teams, mm. and they're very constant teams. Um, you know, there's a fa- there's a fairly consistent. Yeah, you know what you're going to get, yeah. and they don't um, detour from that very often. We should mention Duff. Um, all the best too to Bobby Hill, one yes. of my favourites. GWS small forward from the Perth Footy Club. Uh, he's battling testicular cancer. What an effort! Moment. What an effort to play at the weekend. What an effort to play yeah. to, to, to get that news during the week and say I want to play with my mates. Great effort. Uh, so we wish him all the best this week. The good news is it's a good one to treat. And you look at um, Sam Doherty's form this year. He's in all Australian form. He's been through two bouts of it. Sam Rowe, um, Ben Cunnington is at the moment dealing with it. Um, so he can look at that in a glass half full way and look there's really good treatment for it now all the best to him we want him up and about soon yep absolutely um now the other thing yep nathan fife going to play somewhere this week i think he's playing waffle and what makes you think that 
body, the language. Given that com- you're the langu- predictive guru when yeah. it comes to well, free metal. Peter Bell's language, for a start. Uh, Can we, we just- play the music again, Shannon? Oh, please. <laughs> just a bit of background there. I think. <laughs> you're going to call me a blind squirrel again? <laughs> I had I, I had a lot of hu- humble pie and some acorns to eat on Twitter. <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of feedback from the Dockers fans, and it was all friendly banter. But um, so, I was reminded about the blind squirrel and the acorn. <laughs> there might be a couple of emails along those lines too. Um, I, my, my question is, why play him this week? I, I know he walks back into that side, but there's no need to play him this week. I think he needs a waffle journey behind him, and you, they're talking 70, 80 percent. Peter Bell's language to me was that he's going through the waffle this week. If First time since 2010? 2010. Yeah. Correct. And he only played about six games that year, I reckon. I reckon he played five or six. Then he marked everything one game at um, Claremont. It, played for Fremantle and marked everything for Fremantle. You go back and watch um, Nathan Fife's debut game. I didn't remember it being um, as good as it was when I went back and looked at the highlights he's clunking them in the hot spot mm. 20 metres out from goal and you think jeepers yeah look if they're in a if they needed a inside bull desperately then you'd play him but I just think you've got their luxury they're playing well um, I think you give him a waffle game give him 70 to 80 percent and then straight in for Hawthorne and then you've got the buy it's a perfect situation do you wonder so the move of Griffin Logue to attack. I like it. and But I wonder whether somewhere in the back of their mind they're also thinking, let's see how it goes mm. with a really competitive third tall down there that flies for everything. So Griffin Logue stays there, you think? No, I'm saying... You're saying Fife goes there. I'm saying maybe they were thinking three tall structure, so what how, about, how does it look? What about know? five, six, the experiment's over? <laughs> no, I'm back in the midfield. <laughs> Pre-season. Yeah, no, sorry. So you think he's going to be more played more as a forward? No, I think it'll be mid-forward. Yeah, okay. I, I think that, like, this is going to be one of Justin Longmuir's biggest challenges because he's bringing the bloke we all think is his best player back, but he has to add to something that's already good. So you don't want Nathan Fife playing and going, well, it doesn't work as well. Mm. So how do you make it add to rather than get in the way of. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get in the way of. I think he's going to add to. So that means he's got to be Bontempelli Petrarca. Yes. He's, he's got to go for I'm happy with that. He's got to kick one but to I'm two thinking, goals But I think I'd like 60-40, 60-mid. Yeah, I'd like You it. think it's going to be the other way? No, I'd go 50-50. Okay. I'd go genuine split. I think you need to maximise Will Brody. How big was Will Brody in that third quarter? Oh, he's sensational. He's had a great year. Like he was Is an, he the recruit of the year? Well, there's been a few. He's up there, mate. Maybe a Choll's up there. Oh, so is Will Brody. Yeah. Jeez, he impacted that game. There's been a as few. As he has every week. It's been terrific to watch. Uh, two other games at the weekend. Yep. Sydney, Richmond. Common sense prevailed. I was happy with that. Yeah, me too. At the end. I, I, don't, don't, I don't care what the rules technically say. Umpires don't always automatically pay that 50. They don't. And that wasn't a situation where you should have applied Look, it. it's not his finest moment, but he didn't hear the siren. And that's okay. I'm glad that wasn't decided by that. Plus, I was I picked Sydney. As uh, you would say, Quarters, does not have a Hadron Collider in the backyard. No. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's smarter than that. He's a good kid. I've spoken to him. Um, and Collingwood Carlton, very dark on Carlton. That was that was my nine out of nine. And I was one head high free kick short of picking nine. 
Yeah, you don't pay that kick. Don't you? Not there. No. Really? Not there, not there. Well, you do You do when you're eighth. It was a very soft free. There was one earlier that could have gone to Collingwood that would have enabled well, him to clear the free. ball and milk the clock. You think that would have been a soft free? That, you know what? He had his chances anyway, streaming forward just earlier than that, and Silvani could have kicked it as well. So they had their chance. You know what? So we say even blind squirrels find acorns. Mm-hmm. Even well, geni- we used to. Even geniuses step in cow crap every now and again. Yeah. What was Scott Pendleby doing handballing oh, from yeah. the last kick in? Oh, yeah. I don't know if you heard T- Taylor Adams speaking about that last night, but he was saying, jeez. <laughs> Implosion. So he not only handballs it to him, he floats it to him, yeah, oh, yeah. which means that um, I think it was Jesse Motlop was. pushed up and got pressure on the Jeremy Howe kick. He floats that. It, it gets out to the 50 metre line. Yeah. Like if... If you're, pen- the, you're the defender receiving the thing. What? Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, going to cough this up. No, it must have been a set play. Yeah, well, yeah, it wasn't on though, was it? You know what would have made more sense if the player in that pocket had been Braden Maynard and he could have just wheeled onto his left, run five, and then when he saw the pressure coming from Motlop, kicked it to 30 metres outside defensive 50. Mate, there's only one play there. You hit the boundary line. Long, hit the boundary line, force the stoppage, and you're away. That's the only play there. Anyway, we'll forgive him. It's one from a 1,000, so he's going all right, Pendlebury. What a cracker of a game. Oh, it was an 80,000. It was a great game. Unfortunately, Duff, again, we're seeing these big events marred by the aftermath, aren't we? Mm. To these idiots outside the ground who've had too much. Oh, in Punt Road. Oh, fools. Seriously, just locked. Ban him. Ban him for 10 years. Blokes. Kicking blokes, like, A, punching them till they fall down. Look, we saw it after the dream time as well, mate. And then I mean, kicking them on the ground. Of, too much of it going on, unfortunately, at the but moment. It, we don't want to become like English soccer. Come on, everyone wind their neck in. Anything else uh, jump out at you? My boy's got a nice old toweling up. There you go. Predict- as I said last week. Predictable. Up one week, down the next. Hawthorne. You are Nostradamus. You know what? From that opening bounce in Darwin, they just I just looked at it and thought, oh, you don't want to be here. You do not want to be here. And that's not taking any away from the Gold Coast. He played really well, but they just looked disinterested. Um, Geelong and Adelaide at uh, GMHBA Stadium. Tom Stewart, what a player. Yeah. 40, should, 40 disposals. Should you count your kick-ins as a stat, though? Well, even if you – what? how many points did they kick? A few. They kicked 13. So he still had 27. Oh, no, I'm not detracting from his performance. He's a sensational player. He'll probably be All-Australian again. I reckon he will be. Yeah. I, I just don't so see him. So what would that be, five of seven years? Is that right? Uh, four of six. Four of six. You'll be all, it's not a bad sort of start to your career, really. There's a few recruiters walking around going, well, I don't know how, what, what, what do we do? How do we miss him? I'll tell you what, speaking of recruiters, just a bit of cackle coming out of Adelaide. So Taylor Walker... Wants to play on next year. No contract offer on the table at the moment. I just wonder if there's a club. There is a there. Apparently, there's a top seven club who's prepared to offer Taylor Walker a two year deal. Now, if you go through the top seven, this was top the top seven as they were before the start of last year. It's not going to be Melbourne. No, it's not going to be Brisbane. Uh, Fremantle. I wouldn't have thought so. No, but maybe. I mean, maybe they're thinking, let's give Jai Amos Sainers. two years. St Kilda, to me, is the one. It's not going to be Carlton with Mackay and mm. Curnow. Geelong's got Hawkins yeah. and Cameron. Um, Sydney's uh, next year will have uh, Buddy maybe and Logan. Could be, though. 
Yeah, maybe if they're not sure it's that the sort but, of club that would do it. If they're not sure that Buddy goes on, then someone to take the heat off Logan McDonald. What about the dogs? Well, the dogs could use him, mm. but the dogs weren't top seven before last week, were they? No, no, they weren't. They've sneaked in now. So I, I don't think it's mm. don't think it's the dog. So the mail is that a club that was in the top seven before the start of last round. So let's call it St Kilda. Let's call it St Kilda. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Watch this space with that game. All right, um, and of course the other one was um, Charlie Dixon comes back for Port Adelaide. They eke out the hard-fought 16-point win against Essendon. Connor Rosie starring again. He does, doesn't he? St Kilda gets it done routinely against North Melbourne. The thing that jumps off the page about St Kilda at the moment is that it's not just the Ruckman, it's not just Max King. The run they're getting from Bradley Hill and Jack Sinclair off half-back now is just enormous. Jack Sinclair. Now, he would be in the All-Australian window. He would be in the All-Australian team. Surprised that he was runner-up in their best in Ferris last year. Yeah. Did not realise that. Yeah. He's a good player, very good player. Classic example of a player that's okay somewhere else and gets shifted to that position and becomes a very good player. Mm. Incidentally, speaking of all Hind Australian... was like that and he's not this year. Yeah. Well, maybe he's needed down the other end. Mm. I mean, don't they need some pressure forwards? They do. Tipper would be handy, wouldn't he? Yeah, so he's he's a massive out Massive for out, yeah. Um, another one in All-Australian contention, just quietly before we move on, is Blake Akers. Yeah. Another really big game from him on the weekend. Mm. Brody, uh, I reckon got a lot of com- competitors. Out I reckon there. it's a pretty, it's a cox plate field. Oh though, yeah, but I tell what? you what, Fremantle won't be giving Will Brody back anytime quickly. Uh, now, Duff, it's time for this. Saddle up your camel. It's time for the thirsty camel mailbag. Yes, thank you to Thirsty Camel. Thank you to Gage Roads Albie Draft. We'll be giving a carton away on Thursday. Please keep the emails coming. Please tell, keep them short and tell us that you're from Western Australia or we can't give you the prize. Duff, there's a few... I would have thought sta- you'd already know before you read them whether they're from Western Australia or not. Uh, or Nostradamus. Uh, well, Is there going to be a w- another war in the next 20 years? Uh, we're already in the middle of World War Pandemic? Three, yes. yes. There, there will be another one? Yes, there will. Can we play that music again? <laughs> this one, uh, now there's a few statements here, uh, Mark, and there's also a few uh, questions, but uh, this one from Mark Crouch. Hi, Duff, and brilliant blind squirrel. <laughs> Flew over to Melbourne and watched my first ever game at the G, and what a game to watch. Wondering why we only get one game this year, particularly the game against Richmond at Marvel where their home ground is MCG, loving the pot. Yeah, and Richmond would agree with you. Richmond doesn't like playing at Marvel. Um, mind you, um, playing Richmond at Marvel probably makes it a little bit easier to get them because they've never really liked going there. No, the supporters don't like travelling the uh, two kilometres down the road either. From Nick Phillips from WA, all hail the Messiah. I well prefer, done quarters I, I, on picking Frio. I prefer I'm, the blind squirrel. A lot of us felt the same as you, but didn't dare say it out loud. I was hoping we might win a couple of quarters, and if it was close at the end, we could steal it. Well, we won two comprehensively, uh, comprehensively and ran away with it. Can't wait for next week. From Paul Sucru from Kalgoorlie, I like this one. Ten minutes and 22 seconds into the final quarter, and I'm devastated. Because I'm a Demons fan? No. Because I've done a tip? No, because I hate the Dockers. No, simply because I realised the carry-on of quarters on Tuesday's podcast. <laughs> uh, John Davidson, hi, Duff and Quarters. Kudos to Quarters on the brave tip on my beloved Frio. Much like Duff, I gave us little or no chance 
and watched in hope of a valiant fight and tight margin. Instead, it absolutely made my weekend. My question, however, is about our medium to long-term salary cap. Given our age profile, significant number of high draft picks in the past five years, and many of our young players developing quicker than expected... He's choking Are up we likely here. to see a salary cap crunch in the coming three to five years, Duff? Not if they're smart. Not if they're smart. And I think if I'm Fremantle, I'd be... There is a suggestion that um, Fremantle gets salary cap room after this year. And that's because um, Rory Lobb is one of the contracts that probably comes up for review. Um, Rory Lobb came uh, on what most people thought were overs, which is probably one of the reasons... Nothing kind of affects your your relationship with your club's fans, like um, being played more or being paid more than what the football industry thinks you should be paid. It's a similar thing with Jack Darling at West Coast. Jack Darling got big money to sign a contract, um, and so the fans take a bit of a dim view of him. And I think it's a little bit of a similar thing with Roy Lobb. But the mail was was that Fremantle's salary cap frees up significantly at the end of this year. Don't forget that another player who's coming to the end or getting near the end is the dual Brownlow medalist who gets paid about a million dollars a year. So there is going to be space there. But if David I, Mundy. Well, David Mundy wouldn't be on big money now. David Mundy would be on good money, um, but not big money. But I think if they're smart and they stay true to the draft policy for one more year, um, then see where they're at. And then if they're clearly one player short of a flag, then go after that player. But quarters, I saw their um, seconds run around, or Peel Thunder, in the waffle against Claremont. Waffle people won't like that, the seconds. It's a very good um, very good team, Claremont. And I tell you what, I was mightily impressed with six to eight of the Peel players, um, the Fremantle Align players. So Croden was great in the midfield. Erasmus and Johnson were great in the midfield. Um, Tracy was great down forward. Meek was great in the ruck. Hamling was rock solid. It's amazing how it permeates through. Nathan well, Wilson well. was rock solid. You know, the only one that was a bit underwhelming for me was Sam Sturt, who we've been waiting to come into the, the main team. And I think Sam Sturt is going to have to get his head around the notion that to be a good small to mid forward in the AFL at the moment, you've got to apply serious pressure. And right now, he doesn't have that in his game. He's a really, really good finisher, Sam Sturt. He's a really clean ball handler. He's a good mark. He's a beautiful kick. But in order to play at the next level, I think he's going to have to get his head around chase, tackle, close down, um, run down speed. I love this one. Adam from Carlisle. Really looking forward to hearing you guys discuss the Mighty Dockers and Quarters picked it too. Well done. Anyway, what am I missing with the Medi sub rule and teams trying to exploit it? Last week we had Mason Cox come up against Frio and his replacement basically won the game for Collingwood. At the time, I, like many others, thought it seemed a bit sus. This week, Cox comes out and plays a very strong hand in Collingwood's win. Strong hand, uh, boom, boom. Yeah, without any tape, guarding, etc. on his supposedly wrecked fingers. <laughs> very good point, Adam. Why can't we have an automatic week off for the player that is subbed out of a game similar to the concussion rule, making coaches stink twice about exploiting the rule? Could not agree with you more, Adam. You are the clubhouse leader at this stage. Yeah, I agree with the sentiment, absolutely. I, I'm really relieved to see that Mason Cox has overcome that debilitating finger injury. Oh, poor, the poor I, I, fella. I, I feared for his long-term well, well-being and his football career. Didn't his glasses fog up? 
<laughs> Seriously, because he can't have contact lenses because it's something to do with his retina. Yeah. So he has to wear the glasses. And in those that weather at Optus Stadium last week, they were no good. Well, he, he didn't wear them at the he start can't of wear, the game. They can't have wipers on them, apparently. <laughs> Not AFL approved. Can't he have a demister? Yeah. Not AFL approved, Duff. Not can't AFL approved. No, de, no demister. But, look, you know what my take is on this? Keep it simple. Stop the clubs from rorting it. Give them 23, give them 24, and just limit the rotations. And then an injury does not seriously affect your ability to win the game. Um, you can do what you like. And and all these silly games that get played. What happens if Collingwood, knowing that um, it was going to be wet, thought they'd throw for our red herring, play Mason Cox, and then whip him out of the game early and change the balance of their team? Then it becomes a bit tactical and a bit underhanded. And don't how, get me wrong. Colling- how, do you, how do you know that didn't happen? Well, that's what I'm saying. Mm. Um, it don't, looked don't, like it to me. Don't get me wrong. Collingwood deserved to win that game. They were better around the ball. They were better around the ground. They were better in the contest. No question. So absolutely deserved to win that game. Coach, I'm ready. I can come back on. Mason, no, sit down. Sit down, Mason. Kick Mason in the ankle. <laughs> Uh, this one, Mason has a, fi- I mean, ankle injury. Um, this one from Rod. Hi guys, love the pod. Um, quarters best call of the year. Um, my question: Are the twenty-two Eagles team going to be the worst AFL team in history? Reference point being two thousand and six Carlton, one win, twenty-four point one six percent. Nineteen ninety-six Fitzroy, one win, forty-nine point four seven percent. Nineteen ninety-three Sydney, one win, sixty-three sixty-three point three two percent. West Coast at the moment, one win, 49.69%. It's a... Tell you what, it's tracking as the West e- worst Eagles team of all time. Well... they Right, right now, they've, you've got to say they are. I can't remember a worse team in the AFL. And I watched Fitzroy play in 1996. Oh, I reckon they give them a run for their money. They were pretty average. What about Sydney? In 93? Mm. Well, what was Sydney's percentage in 93? Uh, Sydney were 63.32, better than I would thought. Well, that tells you they're better, doesn't it? Like, if you use percentage as the ultimate measure, what was Fremantle's percentage in 2001 when they went 2 and 20? Do the next one, and I'll I'll call this up. Um, This one from Hannah and Aaron from Los Angeles. We had an idea about putting together the midfield puzzle with Fife coming back into the side. They wanted to know your thoughts. What do you think about taking Tucker out and sliding Sarong out on a wing, especially with O'Driscoll out for a while now? I think they want run on the wing. Um, so I would say, I would say, the emotions have got to Glenn here. He's um, he's not tracking well. No, just got a bit of the lurgy back again, which is no good. But I, I would say no. I, I think you want outside run on the wing. I, I like Acres on the wing, and I think Tucker probably is the one to leave on the wing. Look, I think one is, let's face it, look at Fremantle's injury list right now. There's no one on it. Mm. So, Well, there, Fife's been the only player on there it. There will be injuries. And if you looked at what comes into Fremantle's best 22 that didn't play on the weekend, I think you could argue that there's Fife and you could argue that there's Switkowski. And that's about it. So that tells you how close to full strength they are. Um, I think opportunities to fit Nathan Fife in will open up. I like this one, Duff, from the big show in Sydney. Short and sweet. Is Jeremy Howe the best overhead mark you've ever seen, if not who is? Well, I'm going to say he's up there, but I'm going to throw 
Liam Ryan's one of them. I'm going to throw Gary Abbott Sr., Paul Vanderhaar, Peter Knights, and Peter Bazusto. I reckon for consistency, how I, I Gary can't... Gary Abbott Sr. didn't drop too many. Yeah. Knights, Vanderhaar didn't drop too many. How can be relied upon to take one... It's every all, game. Yeah, it's also a mark of the weak contender every week, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Every, Pretty much every week, unless it's pouring down rain. Well, even pouring down rain against Fremantle last week, Jeremy Howe managed to take a mark of the year contender. Um, and it, it was so not memorable in his own mind that when they asked him about it afterwards, he goes, oh, was it all right, was it? It's like it's just routine mm-hmm. for him. I, I can't think of a better aerialist than Jeremy Howe. What's he going to do when he retires without all that excitement? He'd probably just, just jump onto the top of cars crossing the road or something. He might as well be a skydiver or something like that. This one from Jonna. Uh, on a, uh, I read a good stat somewhere on the weekend. Frio haven't lost this season when Brandon Walk has started the match. We look a much more balanced team with his pace in the back line and his ability to lock down on an elite small forward. His job on Cozzy Pickett on the weekend was another case in point. Maybe Logue up forward is a great way to keep them both in the team. Logue was very promising as a mobile presence and pressure player on the weekend. Yeah, I, I really love the the idea of Logue forward. I, I still think for Fremantle to be um, a, a real threat in September, like as in preliminary final team, maybe a grand final mm-hmm. team, I think they need something more than what they've had forward to centre. So whether that's Griffin Lowe's competitiveness, whether it's Nathan Fife's mm. brilliance and power, um, I still think that's where they've got to get something. Do you think it was a, an experiment along those lines, or do you think it was just the negating Stephen May at the weekend? Um, I think it started off as negating Stephen May, and I think when Stephen May went off, they thought, let's just leave him there and see what happens. And Griffin Lowe competes, and he's athletic. And he gives them tackle pressure because he's very, you know, uh, mobile on the ground. Quarters, before yep. you go on, Fremantle's percentage in 2001. So this is the worst year in Docker history. Mm-hmm. Won the wooden spoon. Um, wins? How many wins? Two. Yep. Lost 20. 72%. Yeah, so West Coast got a fair way to go. I still think with players coming back, they'll find a sweet spot where they win a couple. They better. Yeah, well, yeah, they better. But this can't, seriously, this can't go on. I like this one, Tom from Margaret River. Would love to hear your thoughts on the state of injury reporting in the AFL. The amount of times a player is listed as five to six weeks and is back within two weeks is ridiculous. The deceitfulness and lack of transparency is disrespectful to the fans. I'd love to see the AFL heavily fine teams for incorrect and inaccurate injury reporting like the NBA does. I like that email. Yeah, here, here. And... AFL clubs go the whole, um, oh, it's private, you know, it's a medical thing. Um, No, sorry, there are illnesses and there are injuries. So I'm happy to cut them slack where illnesses are concerned um, because that is a private medical thing. But injuries are a little bit different. And to me, um, AFL clubs should be held to a much higher account when it comes to injuries. It's not just the ones that are said to be gone for six and are back in two. It's the ones that are said to be a test and don't play for 12 weeks. And at some point, we want to find them and check them for a pulse. You know, the, the way they treat their fans with disrespect on this, all AFL clubs, leads a lot to be desired. It's a big industry. It's a big betting industry. And we need a lot more scrutiny and a lot more um, accountability on this. 
Mark from Sorrento, considering where Frio were at halftime, the quality of the opponent, the venue, their recent losses, does that third quarter, Duff, rank as Frio's best quarter of football since their inception? Uh, the second quarter against Sydney in the 2013 preliminary final was pretty good when they just swarmed and swamped them. Um, if you go back and have a look at that, that was that was a pretty powerful quarter of footy. Um, a couple of quarters in one of those derbies, I think in 2012, maybe the second derby of 2012, the one when Pavlich kicked the, the eight goals, that was a pretty good quarter of footy as well. I reckon probably the second quarter that day. Um, it's up there. Yeah, but let's not forget the opponent, yes, but there are a few on-the-day things here, aren't there? Like Petrarca was crook. Harms didn't play, Langdon didn't play, McDonald didn't play, Salem didn't play, May was injured early. So there's half a dozen of those things. And, you know, the flip side of that is no Fife, no Switkowski for Freo. So Freo's probably plus four on the injury availability front. Um, factor those things in. Uh, Jared from Port Kennedy. With Cam Zerha parking contract talks at Arden Street, what are your thoughts on Freo having a crack at him in the off-season? Yeah, my mail is still that Cam Zerha will stay and that this is about the worth of the contract rather than any serious attempt to leave and come home. Now, I'm sure that if it goes too long and too deep, North Melbourne might get a bit nervous because not so much about Frio, but there's West Coast lurking with potentially a pick in the pre-season draft. Now, if North Melbourne's going to lose Cam Zerha... Um, that's not the be-all and end-all for North Melbourne. They've got a lot of things to fix, but they want to be able to trade for him, not lose him through the pre-season drafts. So I think that that will make them nervous. Would he add something to the Fremantle forward line? He would absolutely add something. But, you know, he's not the be-all and end-all for them for me. Well, thank you for your, all your emails. We'll be back on Thursday with some more. Please send them to this address. Send your mail to Duff and Quarters at wanews.com.au. Yes, and I would say that um, the Glenn's shaky voice and his croaky voice is not because he's been overcome with emotion by the love you've shown him for his brilliant tipping last week. It's because he's uh, unfortunately picked up a bit of a lurgy. We can uh, tell you it's not COVID. He's been tested, but uh, he's um, he's not 100%. He's not feeling 100%. He's a bit like Christian Petrarca on the weekend. Still a genius though, Duff. Still a genius, yes. Always will be. Always was. You do have a Hadron Collider in your backyard quarters. Yeah, I'm building one at the moment. Yes, yeah, It's okay. not completely completed as yet. Thank you very much for joining us today. We have been brought to you by Tab Touch. Those with the touch, you can better your bet by downloading the Tab Touch today, Tab Touch app today. Please gamble responsibly and please call Gambler's Help on 1800 858 858 if you encounter any difficulties. We'll be back on Thursday where Glenn will try and wow you again and find another acorn despite wearing those dark sunglasses. If you're a fan of the podcast, why don't you get in touch? Send your thoughts to the Thirsty Camel mailbag at duffandquarters at wanews.com.au. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and of course, tell your mates. Thanks for listening. This has been the Duff and Quarters podcast on the game. You know who? It's unbelievable.